my fellow challenge lovers, welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibald. Thank you so very, very much for joining me on this holiday weekend. I hope all of those out there celebrating had the best Thanksgiving, ate some great food, got to spend time with loved ones, and at some point during this holiday week and weekend have gotten the chance to catch up on the truly wonderful Challenge Australia. That's what we're here to talk about today. Episode 2, Challenge Australia. It aired, I don't know, almost a week and a half ago in real time over in Australia. We got the link a little after that. We're getting caught up now that we think, hopefully, fingers crossed, we're going to get to watch most of, if not all, of this season. So, If you missed last Monday, if you didn't hear me talk about it on Wednesday, Challenge Australia, the links have been made public, at least for episode one and two, and we're hopeful for episode three here in this coming weekend. And assuming that we keep getting links out there on the internet, we will keep covering it here on the Challenge Historian, mostly because it's it's an amazing season already. I love this cast. I love this season. It's very trippy seeing two, a, another season that's basically a carbon copy of the one we're also watching on MTV, but with different people. So it's very interesting. If you want to check it out, if you haven't watched yet, head over on Instagram at most likely to pod. That is our good friend page, most likely to pod. Uh, on Instagram, has those links saved in a highlight reel. You can find them and watch. So we are here to talk about episode two. A couple quick programming reminders before we begin. Australia episode three, if we're lucky enough to get the link over the course of this weekend, we will cover that on Monday. And then Rider Dies will be back next Wednesday. We had our Rider Dies episode last Wednesday night, a night and a half ago. And boy, what an episode. Best episode in a very long time. I haven't figured out exactly when we have had an episode over the last few flagship seasons as good as the one we got last Wednesday. We will see if they can continue that next week. I'm thinking they might. It's just becoming a really, really great season really, really quickly. So Rider Dies next Wednesday. And then next Friday, top cast and MVPs from the first 20 seasons. The Rewatch Recap miniseries will return. As for today's format, it's going to be a little bit quicker than usual. We are going to continue to skip the Cliff Notes recap for the time being, and also I will probably rush my way. Not rush. We're still going to cover in detail the things we need to, but we're going to be a little more picky and choosy about what we talk about here today to get us in and out on this holiday weekend, get you back out to your families and all the fun and maybe the shopping, whatever you got going on. So we're still got some storylines, awards, power rankings, predictions, the whole thing. Let's get to it. Diving right on into the storylines of the episode, we've got kind of four overall topics to discuss here. It's going to be a little back and forth because a lot of these are obviously intertwined, but I want to start with Johnny and Jessica, um, and we will be quick, uh, as quick talking about Johnny as he was interested in a relationship with Jessica, because that lasted all of about two hours before bed and didn't didn't even make it past waking up in the next morning. Johnny really living up to his namesakes from the U.S. version of this show, but in all the wrong ways. Um, He would love, I'm sure, to be another Johnny with some challenge championships to his name, but maybe uh, how he treats relationships in the house, he could go a different direction, but not so far. Um, Just absolute classic I just want to get laid energy coming from this guy here and uh, it works out for him, but just the speed 
with which the morning after he and Jessica, who have been getting close or talking, chatting over the first few days in the house, they're in the same room already anyways. They end up in the same bed after the elimination or after the night of hanging out. And how quickly the next morning he's just like, you know, that was fun, but also I don't like you like you, but you're still going to be a solid alliance member, right? Like I just... I just did that. I just we we did that and then I'm immediately out on that and but you're going to still be solid in the alliance. And also like 3 days from now when I get horny again, this could happen again, right? It's just classic classic like what are you doing? How how do you think this is the right way to go about this? But uh, you know, that's that's uh his prerogative and that's for now for Jessica to deal with, which she does in pretty impressive fashion given that, you know, she eventually goes on. We're going to talk about the daily challenge in her and Troy's win in that daily challenge. But getting a win in a daily challenge, you know, the day after the day of you're in a pretty shit mood because of this thing that's just gone down with this guy. That's a pretty impressive place. We talked a week or two ago um, about when Laurel exited ride or dies about just, you know, if you're just mentally not in it on any given day in a challenge house, that can take one of the best players of all time and reduce them to someone who's going to lose it daily badly and is going to lose an elimination. And so for her to have started her day in that way and to be upset as she's clearly upset, she talks it out with Connor and a couple others, and then to go to a daily challenge and just immediately flip back in, get all the way back in the game and come out with a win. Super impressive stuff. And while she may have not had a good read on the situation with Johnny, or maybe she herself was just like, I'm also, we're trapped in this house and he's attractive and I'm attractive. And I would also like to maybe just, you know, sleep with someone for the night and I'll be a little more respectful about it the next morning, whatever the actual feelings may have been there. If she didn't have a good read on that situation, she does later down the road prove to have a great read on people overall and to be able to trust her intuition and really read the situation and different people and make quality decisions, which is a huge asset in this game. And that was proven by the next two people that we've got to talk about, which is David and Connor, mostly David. Uh, David is certainly the star of this episode and eventually to tie a bow on the Jessica portion of it. And then we'll kind of talk through the David and Connor portions of it. But she ultimately, by the end of the episode, has a decision to make of like, I think I'm close with Connor. David's spinning up all this stuff about him. I've taught, have one-on-one conversation with both of them. I got to kind of figure out what's what here, who's telling the truth, who's doing a little bit of lying, being a little bit mischievous and who I should actually trust. And she makes the exact right call and seems confident in it. So she's got a good read on people. Just maybe not when it comes to, if someone wants to be romantically involved, Hey, we've all, we've all been there. So now to David and Connor and everything we just said, Jessica had to go through thinking through with them, David, what a gift to the challenge house, totally mischievous, completely over the top, like totally over the top at all, all all times, no matter what's going on. And then, but he's always at the same time attempting to have the best time. Like he's having a good time. He's making sure others are having a good time, but he's being mischievous. He's over the top. And it's just, it's what a gift for the viewers. It's not likely great for his game long-term, but it certainly is great for us as long as we get to watch it as viewers. So, uh, you know, a big standing ovation for David being just bringing a lot to the table in this episode in these first couple episodes of the season. He's amazing. 
he feels the heat after the daily challenge. He realizes, you know, I'm with Emily. Neither of us are in one of the kind of two brewing alliances, as Troy would put it, the batchy crew in the boys' room, um, which we won't have to break all of that down right now. But David is not in either of those, nor is Emily. And he realizes Emily is being looked at as, you know, as the way she should even one week into this or, you know, a couple days and they're real time into this as like, damn, all the other women should be just desperate of like, we got to get her out. That is a number one goal. If she's here, she's probably going to win at the end. Um, so let's get her out. Immediate target. Everyone you know, on the same page about it. He realizes I'm partners with that person. I'm not in either of the alliances. And I'm looked at as weak enough of a player that we, you know, me partnered with her, we could lose. So all everything's lining up. David and Emily are the obvious choice, and they know that. He knows that. He feels the heat. He goes to Emily and says, hey, it's uh, could you maybe go have a conversation with Jessica? And Emily just completely is like, nah, I don't, I don't really do that. I don't uh, – yeah, I'm just going to not do any of that. Like, it'll be fine, which – isn't the best gameplay certainly is not the best gameplay at least go have like some sort of conversation and it's also not the best television like even if you're like i'm not gonna kiss anyone's butt you know do any groveling we'll like go have a confrontational argument that's fun for us to watch too but either way she doesn't want to do any of it and that kind of that feels right with her background i mean being a four-time olympian like one of the best athletes top of the athletic pyramid in the world for <laughs> decades on end to be in the Olympics four times or trying to get to the Olympics four different times. So she spent her entire life being this tip top. Like if, when it comes to athletics, when it comes to competition, I'm just going to win. I'm going to beat anyone and everyone. And so the fact that she can't be bothered, she's like, what, they're going to put us in elimination. Cool. Like not even factoring in like who my partner is, what we could go up against, what possible games we could be offered anything. It's just like, I, it's a competition. I'll just win. And so that makes total sense coming from her. David can't have it, though. He decides he's got to try to do something. He's got to spread some rumors, and he picks Connor as his target. He doesn't like Connor. We don't really get a reason why he doesn't like Connor, um, but, you know, that's that's all the reason you need in a challenge house is just I need to not like someone right now, and so I choose you. That's, that's all a lot of these come down to often, and so that's what this comes down to. He starts spreading rumors about Connor, but – all he's got to work with is that, you know, there's nothing I can really do that I can pull off that like this might be true or that he might be lying about this. So the only thing he can go with is Connor feels safe. So therefore Connor's cocky and therefore we shouldn't, everyone should be mad at him for being too cocky. And it's just like, okay, you're really grasping at the thinnest thread, but it almost works. It, it does seem to work for a while. It, it, puts Connor very much in the crosshairs. Uh, he has to have the conversation with Jessica. He has multiple conversations with other people who are like, oh, hey, man, you know, tone it down a little bit. Like, you don't, you know, you might be safe, but, like, don't rub it in. He's like, what? I don't, I literally haven't done anything. Like, literally, I have done nothing the first four days of this show. I've just hung out and, like, made a couple friends. What, What is going on here? Totally get where he's coming from. Just kind of shocked and bewildered that any of this is happening. But... As much as it's fun uh, and David just having a great time being mischievous, uh, you can tell he came into this game. He's he's one that he wants this. He, he's 
relishing in it. Uh, I think he's having a great time with doing this. And guess what? Yet again, that goes back to he's an absolute gift to a challenge house and to a challenge viewer because he seems to have, be having a great time spreading little rumors, uh, just you know, trying to plant some seeds, trying to be mischievous, trying to get a little seeds and plan in place. And ultimately, it doesn't work. But you know, thankfully, as we'll talk about momentarily, He's still around, so we might get to see some more of it. Let's move to, I know we've basically covered the whole episode back and forth there a couple times, or everything that eventually happens, but I do want to talk about the Daily Challenge and the Elimination specifically in those segments to wrap up a couple different of the storylines. So first, the Daily Challenge. As we are coming to expect, every one of these dailies and eliminations is going to be one we have seen on Ride or Dies or the Challenge USA, or possibly maybe if we see something new, there is a chance we then immediately see it on Ride or Dies right afterwards. But it's they're all pretty much the same. But I do like that now for the second episode in a row, they are trying to put a little bit of a twist on different things. How can we use the exact same setup but do something slightly, slightly different? And I really like the twist they take on the Challenge USA version of this daily challenge that we've seen on the Challenge USA. It was one person going. You only got to pick so many pegs to try to get yourself across. This was the one where Angela was the only one to complete it and got lathered praise on her afterwards by TJ, deservingly so. This time around, it's in pairs. They make it slightly there's less strategy, less going to the pegboard before, which ultimately isn't that interesting for us, the viewer. And instead they make it the partners, they make the jump and the smash at the end, which is kind of a little bit cool to watch visually and makes it a little more doable. So hopefully most of the teams will actually finish and it'll be a real time race. And it'll be really like, if you fall, that's a bad, bad thing. Like you shouldn't fall, but you could. So like this version, even better than the original version of it. And I love that they're putting the little twist. They're not doing the exact same thing but doing the smart production related thing of we are still going to use all the same stuff and more or less do the same things over because it's just a lot easier for us. A couple shout outs to give. One is to Connor. Connor's composure and Brooke B's then ability to go super fast at the end. Brooke B drops her pegs. It seems like, oh, that's that's done for. She can't move for a little bit. She's like, I, I, I can't get to you. I don't have, I was carrying three pegs or whatever to move myself across this thing, and I dropped two of them. But Connor stays composed the whole time. He's like, the only one that matters. We're not DQ'd. I'm holding the one that matters. I'll get further than I need to go. You just got to get to where you can reach, and I'll give you all of mine. They never said we couldn't, you know, smart, knowing the rules in the moment. Like, we didn't drop the one that were DQ'd, and they never said I couldn't give you mine. So, like, you're okay. We just have to get within reach of each other. They do. She flies to the end. They avoid getting last place. And I was very impressed with just his composure, both of their ability to get out of that situation. So just putting that on the radar that uh, we're seeing something from both of those that, uh, you know, we hadn't maybe seen that in week one. Same thing from or similar thing from Grant and Sugar. They both have a very solid performance, second daily in a row that they have both been near the top. Those two are definitely on my radar, and I would assume on everyone in the house's radar, slowly but surely, you know, two in, you start to look for some consistency. By the third or fourth daily, you're like, all right, who's won? Sure, but also, like, who's been right there near the top? Who's really proven themselves to be really, really good at all this stuff? And Grant and Sugar deserve a quick shout-out for starting to be two of those people that are proving that. And then final one, my guy Troy. Uh, I've got two guys this season, Ryan and Troy. I love them both so much. 
Uh, I picked Ryan last week to be my winner because I loved him so much from the first episode that carried over into this episode. But I also said that Troy was originally the first time I saw him. I was like, I don't know why, but this guy's going to win. And this challenge was made for him. I don't think there will be many times where the Ninja Warrior upper body strength that he has that is the hallmark of Ninja Warrior is the reason those people that do that and do that successfully are just unbelievable athletes. It's all upper body stuff, which the challenge doesn't really utilize almost at all. But it's good to know that when the rare opportunity that Troy gets to use that skill, he capitalizes on it on that. If he would have been bad at this, it would have been like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is like the thing you're supposed to be good at. And so when you're really great at the thing you're supposed to be good at, that is a good sign. Even if I'm, you know, concerned a little bit that his strengths won't match up with usually what's going on in these dailies, eliminations, and certainly a final, it still spells good things for him. So shout out to Troy. Then finally, the elimination. We've seen this back to back, which is kind of, it's super trippy. It gets even more trippy. This whole thing is even more trippy. You know, the second episode in, and now, not just the, like, we watched Challenge USA, and then we watched started watching Ride or Dies, or started watching this, and there's, like, a lot of similarities in the same places or whatever. But the fact that we're now watching this simultaneous to Ride or Dies, and they're in the same house, and they're in the same places, it's so trippy to watch one than the other. I get things confused. I already, I, like, had to go through my notes a couple times before I start pressed record on this podcast just to make sure, like, hey, you just recorded about the other show. Now we got to record about this one. Like, get everything in line. They're not all in the same house at the same time. But it was cool that we get to see this elimination Basically, if you watched these in order, if you were watching both of these shows live, if you, you know, I don't know how you could do that. I don't know if you could watch it live in Australia, the U.S. version or vice versa. You can't, to my knowledge so far. But if you were, these came out like within days of each other. So you'd get we and I essentially watched in order, uh, you know, the episode with Jordan and Issa winning this elimination and then this episode right after. So that was kind of trippy, but it was really fun and watching it that close together. I thought was way better and more interesting than the version of I saw this two months ago on Challenge USA. That still is interesting in its own way, and you get to do the comparison. But when it's like back to back, literally two episodes I watched back to back had the same elimination. I actually found that kind of fun. It was partially because both eliminations turned out to be like good, uh, competitive, come down to the wire. So that helped. If one of them would have been a blowout, I probably would have been like, oh, would have been cool to at least see a different game or something. But it's really good. And this version, seeing it the second time, put in perspective Jordan's brilliance on Ride or Dies because we talked about it on that episode where they won and he hits the last shot by first turning and like calling out to Jay Michelle, calling his shot and then lofting it over Jack's head. Both times a Jack on the losing end of playing defense in this, which uh, is just a interesting coincidence but Jordan lofts it over does the little lob shot and we talked then about clearly there was some rules in place of where the defender could stand they couldn't just actually go like hug the thing and block it with their body but it then kind of masked just how brilliant that was because that high toss is exactly the only way you're going to make that last shot because we see in this one Emily and David get out to a massive, massive lead. They move the bricks way faster. They get their balls way faster, which turns to then, like, we're going to have Audrey play defense, which means only Jack is moving the the bricks then, so it's taking even longer. Emily's at, like, seven or eight made targets before Jack even gets to start throwing. So this huge lead, but 
then the brilliant design of the game comes into focus because that last one is so hard to hit and is why what Jordan did was so impressive of being able to do the lob shot because even though you can't stand right up against it, you could still stand directly in the path of the person throwing and the thing they're throwing at and the thing they're throwing at. It's not that big. And as we see here, Audrey just stands in place and is like, I can block these all day long. Like, this is fine. And allows Jack to get all the way caught up. It eventually gets to nine to nine. The one Emily sneaks past, I don't, I, I guess you, she just goes with the like, I'm just going to keep throwing laser after laser. And eventually one will like barely clip Audrey's shoulder and like still get through, which is kind of what happens. Or like, she'll just miss one or get tired of getting beamed in the face. Like it's, but it proves the brilliance of the design of this is going to be a close result, no matter what, because the final ball is going to be so hard to score that even if someone gets a massive lead, everyone's going to get caught up because you're probably going to get to that last ball and then take forever getting that last one past the defender. It also leads to some real high-level strategy. If someone got to play this game a second time, I imagine, or you know, the real strategist, which I don't think anyone has done so far, but you really need to purposely, like, I'm going to start with the middle targets and I'm going to work out, and my goal is when I have two targets left, those two targets are going to be like the top right and the bottom left so that you can kind of fake one way, throw the other, and try to get them in quick succession before you get to I have one left and the person is standing directly in front of it, and this is going to take all day to get one pass. So a lot of, lot of strategy going in. Brilliant design. Love the game. Love seeing it twice in a row. And Emily is a beast, as we knew. David also, though, shows a lot in this. He's got some pep in his step for sure, moving those logs, playing deep logs, uh, bricks, whatever, playing some defense. So really thrilled they came back. I thought, you know, the way it was being edited, they get the huge lead, and then the big comeback by Jack and Audrey, I'm like, ah, oh, no, we can't, like, we can't lose Emily already. We can't lose David either. Like, this is, he's too good at this already. We can't be losing him, and uh, thankfully we don't. Thankfully, they, I guess, thankfully, uh, with apologies to Jack and Audrey, but thankfully, Emily and David pull out the win because we need, you know, I said last week or, you know, on Monday, last episode of this season that it's going to be fun if Emily is that front runner all season, even if she goes wire to wire, that's interesting and fun. If she eventually does lose, but, you know, builds up this big reputation as the clear, utter favorite, that's interesting too. So, I'm glad that's not removed from the game. I'm glad she is still there. And we got some emotion from her and some good facial expressions when they are chosen to go down in. She's got a lot of personality uh, in her, which sometimes when they bring in the like super athlete, you're a little worried of like, are they going to be a little stale or bland? Not at all with her. So great challenge competitor thus far and great challenge character as well. As for losing Jack and Audrey, I, I hate to say it, but it doesn't feel like a big loss. Um, Audrey, very attractive woman, seems very fun, but wasn't impressing much on the game side of things. And this cast as a whole seems to have the show side covered. Like, it doesn't matter who the story is going to be about that week. It seems they've got the show side of this. They've got the personality covered, regardless of who goes home, who's there. Across the board, everyone's providing that. So in a cast like that, I'm a little bit more looking like, hey, we're going to get some good drama and some good story no matter who goes home. I'm kind of looking for the game to get as competitive as possible to match and have both sides really firing on all cylinders. So while I liked Audrey, um, you know, I'm not too upset that she's going home. She wasn't doing a lot on the game side, competitive side. And then Jack, I said last week, I just wasn't I wasn't getting a ton out of him. Seems like a wonderful, nice person, but I just 
he's been super involved both episodes and I wasn't, you know, really clinging to anything of like, ah, amazing stuff. So for him to have gone home, that's, that's fine by me. And, uh, you know, it happens sometimes just some people don't work out, don't catch right away. It doesn't mean if he didn't come back on a future season of some kind, he wouldn't immediately be one of the stars of the show. But for now, Audrey and Jack going home, I feel like we, you know, the, the cast in this season's potential and brilliance stays where it does. We don't lose anything that maybe the right people, I guess, are the ones going home. Now let's hand out some awards. And I was not able to, you know, record this episode. So for the quotes, we're not going to be able to play them for you, but there was only two real nominees. We're just going to get right to the winners of all the awards today to make this quick on the best quote. It's David. Uh, his runner-up nominee from David, the, quote, more like sharpening my Cupid arrows, unquote. So that was really good when, you know, helping along the Johnny Jessica uh, nightcap that was. But then his best quote of the week, which is also the best quote of the week, a lot of them come. He's making an early heavy case for the Dan Renzi Award here. But, quote, Connor's head is so far up Jessica's ass, he's basically a hemorrhoid, end quote. Absolutely lovely stuff from David. That's definitely the best quote of the week. So he wins there, and he also might win the moment of the episode because the moment of the episode was kind of hard to pick out here. The two nominees I ended up coming up with, the final two that I was really thinking of, one small, actually both pretty small moments, but both just really, really great. One of them, my guy Ryan, uh, seems to be having a great time coming back from the first elimination. We open the episode. There's Some of them are still having a little fun after coming back from the elimination. Ryan seems to be just super drunk and silly and is just kind of running around, jumping in the pool, running around some more. Um, he also has a mustache now. Did, did he have a mustache in episode one, or did he shave at some point during this? Did I just not? I was too fixed on the mullet to pick up on the mustache. Either way, it's looking amazing. Him being a little drunk, silly, is one of my favorite moments of the episode. The second one, though, and probably... The winner, again, is David might just clean sweep this whole thing because as he's stirring the pot, as he's you know putting his rumors out there, there's a moment where he's talking to a group. He says some rumors. He realizes that they're taking it very well. They all kind of latches on with them, and then he busts out and whips the little fan, the little hand fan out out of nowhere. You don't even realize he's holding it, and then boom, he spreads it wide. He fans himself off, does a look, and then a little pronounced walk away. It's amazing. It's so, it's just over the top dramatic for no reason, which is amazing and great and wonderful television. And he's like the confidence of like, I did it. There we go. Rumor spread. Done. Walk away. Get the fan out. Walk away. I've done my work for the day. Let's go relax. Love everything about that moment. So that's the moment of the episode. As for MVP, obviously it's David. Shout out to Emily. She gets some. Shout out to Jessica. Shout out to Troy. Um, you know, there's th those were really the stars. Shout out to Audrey. Actually, I really, I as much as what I said before, I'm gonna miss having Audrey around. I did like her through the first couple of episodes, but you know, it's got to be David. Uh, you know, Jessica and Emily put up good performances. Connor, shout out to him, put up a good performance and gets himself out. Handles both. Not only his composure, man, really just have to compliment his composure again because not only the composure when he was in the daily challenge itself but then the composure he keeps when finding out that someone else is spreading rumors trying to get him thrown in by one of his friends how he handles it doesn't get all up in arms just has a calm rational conversation with his friend reminds her yeah we're friends i don't know what the hell anyone else is talking about and 
that is successful. And now friendship intact, alliance intact, him not going into elimination intact. So shout out to Connor as well. But David takes the MVP of the episode. I mean, the quotes, the moments, the just attempting everything he attempts eventually does get the elimination win in impressive fashion. So all around, David's got to be the MVP. And finally, we've got our power rankings and our predictions. On the power ranking side, females first, only sticking to the top three. At some point, we'll expand this out and make it full everyone ranked. But for now, there's still too many people left. We're still learning about them. So the only thing I really feel certain about is number one on the female and the male side. After that, I am I'm it's a, it's a pretty big toss-up. But on the female side, we're going Emily number one. Even as big of a target as she's going to be, I think she's proven to just, like, she has to be number one until she's not there, basically. And then Sugar, number two. Brooke J, number three. I just feel like they've both performed really well so far. We're getting enough of them from an edit standpoint to think they might be having a good season ahead of them. And they just seem, they you know, in a, in a big toss-up, they have stood out a little bit enough of me to put them in the coveted female power rankings, number two and three spot, which is obviously such a coveted spot to be on my power rankings two episodes in. But that's where they find themselves. Emily Sugar, Brooke J. On the men's side, similar thing. I feel good about putting Ryan number one. Bias aside, I just think he looks like one of the top competitors to beat. Not the way Emily, there's not the gap that there seems to be on the women's side with Emily above everyone else. But I feel comfortable putting Ryan number one right now. I kind of feel comfortable putting Troy number two. After that, I truly have no idea. It could go any which way. And uh, I'm putting Conrad number three because I still get this vibe from Conrad. We've gotten very little of him both episodes, but each time that we have seen that one or two confessionals, I'm just like, you're going to do something good. I know you're going to have a nice episode, a nice move, maybe a real nice season in total. So I just, I don't, I don't know why, but because I had to put a third name because I arbitrarily said I was going to say three names on both sides, I went with Conrad three. So Emily Sugar broke Jay on the female side, Ryan Troy Conrad on the men's side. As for predictions, we lose our first one episode in to have made uh, predictions for the whole season, and we've already lost someone. We thought Jack would make the final. He does not. So Ryan, Johnny, Troy, and Grant remain as finalist picks on the men's side. Emily, Brooke, Jay, Jessica, Megan, Kiki remain on the female side. Ryan and Emily to win remains as well. Predicted they'd go wire to wire. I kind of wanted to say Troy. So either way, if Ryan or Troy wins, I'm going to feel vindicated to some degree. Weekly predictions, starting off horrible. I only got one thing right. I said there would be sex. There was sex. I said Cyrell would get targeted. That went by the wayside. I said the Batchy crew would implode. They seem to, if anything, have already gotten a little bit stronger without even real mention of them this episode. So one for three. We're going to do better this time around for episode three. Predictions for the next episode. I am going with looking at the new teams. I do, by the way, really appreciate... Unlike the Challenge USA, where the episode ended with the algorithm and then started with here's the new teams, I like that they show the new teams and then the episode ends so that we can actually think about and have a little fun of like who's going to work well together and whatnot. That's way better. Good adjustment made there. So I'm going with looking at these teams. Emily and Kieran are going to win the daily. Emily and Kieran are matched up. That's a good pairing. Whatever they get thrown in front of them, you know, Emily's going to be that person like a Tyson and Angela were on Challenge USA. If they get a solid partner, there's a very good chance they just win no matter what is put in front of them. Just by giving the best person a good partner on the other side, you're giving the best person in the house, Emily, a solid partner. I think her and Kieran win. And when they win, second prediction then, David and Jessica, 
they're going to be in the elimination one way or the other. They're either going to get last because they're going to struggle to work together after this current episode, and now they get matched up, a great matchup there by the old used-to-be-perfect, now-just-regular algorithm. Even if they don't, easily could be on Emily's you know target list if they win, so those predictions kind of go hand-in-hand. Emily, Kieran win the daily. David and Jessica, one way or the other, end up in elimination. Third and final one, we're repeating the one we got right from last week because I think it's going to keep being correct. Someone new will hook up in episode three. So with that, Challenge Australia, episode two in the books. Hopefully, fingers crossed, keep saying the prayers to the challenge gods that are and the, you know, the fans over there in Australia. Hook us up over here in the States and everywhere else around the world. Um, give us those links somewhere out there. If you listening right now, come across a link for episodes and, you know, send them my way. I'll try to do my best to get those shared out there into the world as well. But hopefully by next Monday, we've seen episode three. We're getting to talk about that. And hopefully we get to keep talking about this wonderful season all season long. Cause I'm loving it. Loving the cast, loving watching the trippiness of two seasons taking place in the same house at once. That's fun. So give me more. Thank you for being here. Thank you, as always, for listening to any and every episode of this wonderful podcast program that we've put together. Appreciate you a lot. We'll be back on Monday, hopefully with Australia Episode 3. If not, we'll be back on next Wednesday night with Ride or Dies Episode 8. I believe we're on Episode 8. Yeah, that's where we are. So have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the holiday weekend. Buy yourself something nice with all those sales going on. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.